Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. If you're a regular of this show, you already know what today is. Clark Stinks Day. I'm also going to talk about something I touched on in a question recently, financing a car. There are some really important statistics you need to know when it comes time for you to buy a new or used vehicle. But first, it's time for you to let me know where you feel I missed the mark or left you down. Left you down. Let you down. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Okay, we'll start with this one. Clark mentioned on the show about having replacement costs on your insurance policy. I think some people don't realize is that you have to repurchase the items and submit a receipt, and then the insurance company will reimburse the difference between the replacement cost and the depreciated value. The insurance company will not just eliminate the depreciation for your claim, Richard. Richard, thank you. Uh, I should point out, Richard, that uh, insurers all handle replacement value coverage differently. They all have their own procedure. Uh, Your experience is that they pay you at the depreciated value and then reimburse you later if you do, in fact, repurchase that same or what they consider to be similar item. So it does depend on insurance, but your point is very valid. They don't just give you the money and you say, yippee, in many cases. They're going to require documentation that you purchased replacement items. Although I love Clark like a dear relative, I sometimes take exception to his broad brush advice. The show in which he described his Christmas travel misadventures had one such instance. Never, ever, not ever check a bag, he said. Clark, listen, I'm six foot five and I wear a size 17 shoe. Wow. Draw me a picture of how I'm going to get all my stuff in one carry-on. I've always checked my bags with Delta and have never had an issue. I could go on about how carry-on heavy travelers seem to cause more complications on the plane than me with my one laptop bag. But that's another story. The point is, some of us can't just fit a week's worth of clothes and two pairs of shoes into a travel bag. I need one suitcase just for one pair of shoes, Jonathan. And we heard from other people who said similar things like one person wrote in and said how annoying it is and how it slows down everything that everyone's trying to shove their carry-ons into the bins. Right. Okay. So this is, uh, first of all, thank you. And I love your perspective. I was just talking with my middle brother who will not fly carry-on like your husband, Krista, will not fly carry on checks a bag and so i make fun of my brother for that and then he (laughs) makes fun of me that i have like no clothes when i get somewhere on a trip so the thing the battle of the carry on and the overhead bin this is classic economics this came about 
when airlines started charging to check bags, that before airlines started charging for check bags, there was not a problem finding space in the overhead bin, that people's behavior changed. And if you go look at a website that sells luggage, almost everything they sell is carry-on size now. Very few items being sold is check bags in luggage size because people's behavior modified to be able to take only what they could take for free instead of having to pay to check. In Krista's case, she pays an annual fee on a credit card on Delta so that her <laughs> husband can check a bag for free. I mean, it's this is dollars and cents behavior. So when airlines went to charging for the bags, that's why you have the battle royale you see on the airplanes. You talked about the problems with Airbnb doing background checks. I agree completely that they should have a process for people to appeal or correct their information. However, I worked for a software company that provided a screening service to financial service institutions to help them comply with the Patriot Act. Companies that provided services such as in-home care for children and elders, rideshare service, and short-term rental companies also used our service as a trust and safety precaution. Before you rent your property to someone, it would be good to know if they are on a terrorist watch list, have a record as an arsonist, or some other crime. There was an instance about eight years ago with a terrorist attack in Europe, and the perpetrators had been staying at an Airbnb for the month before the attack. There are sound reasons to know who you're renting to. I think you got it partially correct, but missed some key background points. Cindy. Cindy, thank you. Okay. So I have no problem. In fact, I support background checks. The thing with Airbnb is the problems people have had when there are inaccuracies in that background check. And there's not a procedure, a real procedure, to appeal that and have it truly investigated. As you know with background, because you were in the industry, you know with background checking software, it can pick up someone of similar name or even same name who has had uh, a nefarious past and blend it with you, what they call a married file. And so Airbnb doing the background checking good, not having a procedure to deal with those married or incorrect files, that's what's ridiculous. We all know you take exercise seriously, which is wonderful but you make light of following a good diet. It sounds like you eat out all the time and justify doing so because of your exercise routine. You should know that you cannot outrun a bad diet. Your platform allows you to address the major pillars of a happy, healthy life. In most regards, I think you knock it out of the park, but you could do a lot better if you educated yourself and us along the way on how to eat healthier. Best, Shane. Shane, thank you. And uh, it's nice you have another pen name, Krista, (laughs) writing as Shane. So uh, I do eat significantly better than I used to, but it's a continuum. And obviously, I'm not where a healthy diet would be, but I do eat significant number of fruits and vegetables now, which I did not do before. I drink a lot of water. I also eat double cheeseburgers. I have Coke Zero right here. So I am a mixed bag as all of us are in in our lives, where there are things we do really well and there are others which uh, we don't do as well. And my eating grade, I would give 
in the past, I would have given myself an F or a low D. Today, I'd give myself maybe what they used to refer to in school, a gentleman C. You might say <laughs> I'm still a D. No, I, I wouldn't even grade you. I don't even know what you eat half the time, honestly. Well, but when Krista and I go to lunch, I always eat healthy when I'm with you so that I pass the teacher You like test. for us if we, yes, if we go to lunch, you, you like us to, to choose somewhere. You let us choose somewhere that we can get like a salad or some veggies in there, right? And then I don't ruin the salad by putting all the bad stuff on it. Yes. Clark, you reek like an approaching horde of the walking dead. Wow. In your seg- I'm a zombie? Does that make me a zombie? <laughs> in your segment on exercise, why not mention the YMCA and the YWCA? Seniors, depending on their health insurance, often can get their memberships paid for at the Y. Folks who are low income or disabled can get scholarships. The Y offers sports leagues, summer camps for kids, and leadership training. The Y does wonderful work in communities far beyond what any of these for-profit gyms do. For example, in my community, the YMCA has a shelter for homeless youth. And that's from Paul in beautiful Washington State. Paul, thank you. And I was a Y member for more than 25 years until I moved. And it, it was a great facility. It was clean. The equipment was great. The staff was even better. And the price was excellent. So you are completely right. And it was an oversight on my part to not have mentioned the whys when I was talking about gyms. You missed the mark saying that cost is the only factor when choosing a gym. I'd love to join a Planet Fitness. However, the closest one is 45 minutes away. The gas prices and time in the car automatically make it the more expensive option. I'd rather prioritize getting to the gym by choosing the one 15 minutes away, even if that means signing a contract. Lindsay. So, Lindsay, uh, first of all, Planet Fitness, that's the gym I'm in now. And it's $10 a month or $25 a month, depending on which membership you join. There's no contract. I'm terrified of the contract gyms. But if you do join a contract gym, Make sure you don't have to front load the money to that gym because the fatality rate financially of the contract gyms is very high because of the whole structure. And I'm not going to get into the whole explanation about how they sell the paper at discounts and all that stuff. Uh, they're always fighting from behind to keep the doors open at contract gyms. Clark named Walmart.com as the only option for shelf prices on home delivery. Shipped is owned by Target. Shipped members who order either through Ship.com or Target.com get the same prices as in-store. Please remind your listeners to always tip their delivery drivers as well. These delivery gigs don't pay as well as they once did, and shoppers are struggling. Susan. Susan, thank you for that. And yes, I did neglect to mention that Target owns Shipped, exactly as you said, Target through shipped and or as you said target.com uh if you have the target red card you get really great deals on buying things from target every possible channel even potentially cheaper than what the posted price is in the store and then walmart.com with walmart plus you get the delivery at the same prices in the store but not the cut you might get at target with the combination of red card and also ordering from target.com, having delivery through shipped. And you are about the 20th person in the last two weeks who delivers for these services who talked about the tipping. And 
we we've had so many tipping conversations i just did a thing on tv about tipping again and the tipping thing is uh something that people were really generous with in 20 and 21 Mm -hmm. during the height of covid and people are not being as generous with tipping now as they were during the height of covid and we were looking at these frontline workers as heroes and now we're just looking at them as workers but they're still doing the same work and please be kind in how you tip these individuals doing this work Bill in Arizona and his wife paid eighteen sixty five at an office supply store in order to fax a six-page medical power of attorney. Yikes. I immediately yelled, go to your local library. My local public library has fax capabilities available to the public at no charge. And that's from Elaine. I'd never heard of that. Had you ever heard of that? I did not know that. That's what Clark Stinks is wow, all about. Wow, Elaine. That's awesome. I never, ever would have considered that a public library would offer faxing for free as a service. And Thank you. Clark, I don't think you stink at all, but you could have given a better response to Jay in Pennsylvania who had their mop break after only using it five times. Usually those people do a circuit and will come back into town to demonstrate over and over. This happened to me buying a product that was supposed to illuminate hard water deposits on everything. Needless to say, it did not work. At the time of the demonstration, he said that he could give you your money back if it didn't work. I waited a whole year to return to the same trade show, and sure enough, he was there. I was very polite and waited until he was done with his whole demonstration, and everyone there had purchased their items and had left before I contacted him. He did not want to give me my money back, but after telling him that I would be more than happy to wait until he started his next demonstration and then announced to everyone there how unhappy I was, he was more than happy to give me my money back right then and there. I will always stand up for the money I work so hard for. And that's from Gabrielle. Gabrielle, okay, that is brilliant. That is a guerrilla tactic that worked perfectly. And what a wonderful thing. Patience paid. You waited till the next trade show a whole year later. And you stood up for yourself and you got your money back. Um, You could have said, hey, here's mine. It doesn't work. And uh, that would have kept other people from spending the money. But you were able to get your money back and you use the obvious risk to that seller that you would call them out if they didn't give you your money back. So you made it happen. And I love any creative tactic you can get to get a business to honor its policies that it has promoted and now ignores. I think it's great. So good for you. On that point, I want to say again, you see something demonstrated at a show, a fair, whatever, and it's supposedly the greatest thing ever, or you see something on one of those TV infomercials, know that as I have seen over and over again, the items in those TV commercials don't work as advertised at all. And as I shared with you last time, two items I bought at trade shows ended up to be just a waste of my money, didn't work at all like the demos. So be careful out there because you never know when somebody's miracle item miraculously just removes money from your wallet. And I appreciate so much 
all of you. And again, what's so wonderful about Clark Stinks, think about the variety of topics. And so often, you know, I'm just a guy and I'll have a perspective and I won't have seen a larger picture or a different perspective. And so it truly helps so much in how I attempt to serve you here on the podcast that you take the time to let me know. And particularly when you're screaming at your phone when I don't mention the public library for sending a fax for free. Who knew? Coming up next, I want to talk about how we worry about negotiating the price of a vehicle so much and then pay thousands and thousands and thousands extra for the financing. I'm going to teach you how to short circuit getting ripped off in your wallet when you buy that vehicle. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had a question the other day on the podcast from someone who was asking me, when you go to buy a vehicle, do you tell the dealer up front you're paying cash? Do you get a better price? And I was explaining, no, you get a worse price if you disclose up front that you're paying cash for the vehicle because the dealers make so much money writing the vehicle loans. But I wanted to explain the way this whole thing plays out and why I always talk about you arranging your financing in advance with a credit union when you're buying a vehicle. Vehicle loans are very expensive now because the average vehicle is so expensive. I mean, the average vehicle in the United States used to be, five years ago, I think it was, the average vehicle was just over 30,000, new vehicle. Today, the average new vehicle is somewhere around $47,000. A lot of it is because people are optioning them up, and the manufacturers are delivering vehicles that are very, very expensive, so that when you go to the lot, when they have one, it's going to be one that is fully optioned, fancier trims, all that. This is a problem for your wallet, because then it multiplies out an impact on you is you're paying interest for that vehicle loan over the years. Now, my answer has not changed about how long a vehicle loan should be to protect your wallet. It's 42 months. People look at me like I'm out of my mind. But 42 months is the max you can finance a vehicle to remain in a safe situation with that loan versus the remaining value of the vehicle. As you go out from 42 and many people are financing for 72 or 84 months, you're upside down through the life of that loan, meaning you owe more on it than what the vehicle's worth. And there are several financial Armageddons that can happen when you are upside down like that. So 42 months caps the the risk, pretty much eliminates it. But as a practical matter, very few people will follow my advice on the 42. So then you're carrying a longer loan, let's say a a 60-month loan, very common. So the interest rate on that loan 
becomes a real factor in how much money you're having to lay out every month for it. The gap between credit unions and banks has gotten larger and larger, and depending on whose measurement you believe, used to be about a point and a half higher interest rate for a loan from a bank versus a credit union. Now that gap has moved to about one and three quarters percent. So that is a huge difference over the life of a loan, which is why even if you're not a member of a credit union today, when you're going to buy a vehicle, join a credit union first, pre-qualify for a loan, they'll tell you based on your credit score and all the rest, how much of a price vehicle they will finance for you and use that as your absolute ceiling because if the credit union is telling you there's danger beyond borrowing X number of dollars, listen to them. Listen to them. I don't care how much new car fever you have, whether it's a new to you used car or a brand new vehicle, don't let new car fever put you into a bind doing something financially that will harm you for years to come. Now, you got the credit union loans, the bank loans, and then you have the car dealer originated loans. If you're pre-qualified for the credit union loan, then you're a free agent. Let's say at the dealership, they have a manufacturer subsidized loan rate that is ultra low and better even than the credit union rate. Then fine. It's a win-win. You let the car dealer finance the vehicle and you get that special rate. They get their kickback from the financing arm of the manufacturer. You get a better rate. Everybody goes home happy. But it's only a small number of situations and almost never on a used product that your money is going to be much better than what the bank has because you did it at a credit union or what the dealer is going to offer you. The dealer loan will usually be quite a bit higher in interest rate than what the bank is, which is already much higher than what the credit union is. So you do this stuff in the right order. The money always comes first. And then again, when you're at the dealer, don't say to them not a word about how you're going to pay for the vehicle because they will discriminate against you on the price of the vehicle if you have your mind made up up front and they know up front you're not going to finance with them they're going to charge you more to buy that vehicle or they may even refuse to sell it to you if it's one that's in short inventory so that is after you have negotiated the deal on the vehicle krista Okay, this first question is from Frank in New York, and he says, I'm purchasing a new vehicle from a dealer in another state, and I want to know what is the best and safest way to send money since I won't be there in person when the vehicle is delivered. My son will pick it up. Friends have suggested wiring the money. I don't know anything about that. How is that done? Are there any potential risks involved? I appreciate your thoughts. You're terrifying me here. You're terrifying me so much. I actually want you to get on an airplane, Frank, or whatever, go to where your son is and be there for the purchase of that vehicle. It is a risky thing. Um, We're talking about a couple things here. One, wiring the money, that is a safe procedure. The danger is that you wire the money and then 
your son goes to pick up the vehicle and they say, oh, no, that's not the deal we're agreeing to. And they already have that money of yours. It is worth the hassle for you to go there and be present. You're buying in another state because they're giving you a better deal in that other state than you can buy in your own, find in your own. So think of the bonus. You also get to see your son. But I would not do this as a remote transaction. Too much risk. What about sending the son a cashier's check? You could send the son a cashier's check, and that is a viable option. That is a good alternative. You would send that cashier's check a method like UPS. FedEx. Or FedEx, where you got tracking and tracing, and it's sent in one of those envelopes. They're not terribly expensive, especially if you use. What did you learn? I was right about. Our pirate ship. Pirate ship. Pirate ship. You will save a fortune on shipping costs. You became a shipping maniac once you got into pirate ship, (laughs) didn't you? I love pirate ship. It's so great. And yours yours have overwhelmingly been UPS with pirate ship? UPS or the post office, just depending with tracking. And this is from Bill in Wisconsin. We're thinking of selling our home in three to four years. My wife has been paying an extra two to three hundred dollars a month to pay down the principal on our mortgage. For the next three to four years, my thought is that we need to allocate that money, two hundred to three hundred dollars, to other things. The interest rate is four and a half percent. Since we're selling and not trying to pay off the mortgage, I, am I wrong by redirecting that money? So, all right, so Bill, this one does not have an automatic answer. At the interest rate you have right now at 4.5%, you can earn that on a CD. So there's not a huge advantage to prepaying right now when the interest you can earn on idle savings is equal to or potentially superior to what your mortgage interest rate is. And then you have more flexibility with the money. If it's paid into the mortgage, yes, you're lowering the balance. But If there are other obligations, other bills, other things you're paying interest on, those could be a higher priority than prepaying on the mortgage. If you told me that your mortgage interest rate was anything lower than the four and a half it is, I would tell you definitely don't prepay. If it was higher, you would have to have a much higher priority in your life to not prepay if you have the extra cash available. So I think the compromise with both of you is that two to $300 a month every month goes into a CD with an online bank where you could earn right now for a one-year period like four and three quarters percent on a longer-term CD, probably four and a half percent. And then you have the flexibility of having the ability to use that cash for any purpose that comes up, including potentially an emergency, especially with one-year CDs, you're never too far from that money being available to you. And from Sherry in Florida, I moved my wireless service from Verizon to Visible, which resulted in a credit from Verizon of 3630. I called them asking how to get the refund. I was told they would send me an email and I was to respond with my credit card number or checking account and routing numbers, depending on how I wanted the refund. I said I didn't want to put that information in an email and asked to speak with a supervisor. The supervisor came on the line and said she was told I would not cooperate to get a refund. She was very short and said that's the way it is and and, uh, is there anything else before she hung up. Clark, how can I get this money without putting my account information in an email? Originally, they had my credit card for monthly billing. So, Sherry, the lowest risk 
in this transaction is for you to, uh, you want to get that money. You don't want Verizon to have a charitable donation from you of $36.30. And if they're being very stubborn about this and inflexible and corporate and bureaucratic, give them the credit card number. Give them the credit card number. If anything bad happens with the credit card number, there's no harm, no foul. You have the ability to dispute anything that happens with the credit card company as long as you notice within 60 days. The checking account is a real vulnerability, and you do not give them that in an email. That is careless and thoughtless. Be completely different if you, as an example, you signed into your account at Verizon that you had had, and they asked, how do you want this refund? And you put in there your checking account number and transit number, your routing number. That would be fine to do. Very low risk. But to give it in an email, terrible idea. And so the least terrible option is give them the credit card number you want the credit back to, and then watch that account closely for any possibility of fraud. And um, I just am sorry that they were not more flexible. Usually what happens is if they don't know how to send you the money after a period of time, they mail you a check to your last known address and that that was not offered as an option seems very odd to me i'm sorry you're having difficulty on the way out but you're saving so much money and guess who owns visible verizon thanks so much for listening today i hope you've learned something today that you can use to make you feel more empowered in your life